Hi, I'm Patrick John Fluger, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. gonna be all sunshine and roses but i can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Meet Us at Molly's. This is episode 137. So today we are going to go ahead and discuss episode 17. These are the episodes that aired last Wednesday. As always, I'm one of your hosts. My name's Gina. Brian is here too. Hello everybody. We hope you're living your best social distancing life right now. It's hard. <laughs> it's, it's really, really hard. hard. Yeah, it's... It's not an easy time out there, guys. And, you know, we are going to try our best to keep things as normal as possible, which we said last week. Um, you know, just just bear with us the same way that, you know, we're, we're feeling the same things you are. So, you know, just just six feet away. Stay home if you're sick, if you can, you know, all that good but stuff. But at least we have our one Chicago Wednesdays. We do still have our one Chicago Wednesdays as, as as of now. Nothing's shifted in the schedule that we know of yet. We have at least two in a row. Let's put it that way. We have at least two in a row. I think I saw last week something that 911 is messing their schedule a little bit. So like they were going to air a new episode, what would be tonight, Monday, but they're going to push it now because of production and all that stuff to like space out their season. Regular 911. I see your face. Regular 911, not Lone Star. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, Lone Star is definitely done. Nope. Like, they're definitely done. Nope. Mothership 911. I'll ask you later. Never mind. We won't turn this into a 911 podcast. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, that's the deal there. So, as always, we're going to start with the news. We've got one little bit of news just because everything's gone crazy, as you know. Um, and this is a pretty obvious bit. You know, obviously we know that Universal has halted production on about 35 series, including the Chicago dramas, the Kelly Clarkson show, and what I think is a pilot called Angeline. I don't know. Yeah, something like that. And so um, a lot of these shows have just kind of hit the pause button and intend to come back. But unfortunately with Chicago, and you might have also heard this in our interview with Derek that we posted on Friday, that... The Chicago shows were so close to the end, they were filming episodes 20, that they just decided to end it right then and there, which I'm actually okay with. I'm, I'm really, I'm fine with it, because, I mean, obviously the health and safety of the actors and the crew is most important, but also, there won't be any, like, harrowing cliffhangers that we'll have to, you know, deal with through the summer. Yeah, I mean, I'm more just sad for the cast and crew, who, you know, I mean, obviously they put in so much hard work into a season to, and to not finish it the way they wanted to you know it's just kind of sad but yeah it's definitely for the best because we don't know how long this is gonna go and like this is i mean this is from like a week ago at this over a week ago at this point so like who knows if any of these shows are actually gonna come back at this point like i don't think people thought it was gonna be that bad as it is now yeah. So. And you're also seeing a lot of the reports of a lot of medical shows that are donating their equipment to hospitals, Yeah, which is great. I think The Resident was the first one to do so. But since then, I mean, I know Chicago Med has followed suit. Um, New, Amsterdam. New Amsterdam. Yeah. Grays. Yeah. yeah. Station 19. All those shows. Great. That's 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 great news. So, you know, if you're out there, if you listen to us and you work in healthcare, my God, you're the you're real, the real MVP. MVP. Yeah. Yeah. 
Also, yeah. like that shows you the same page that we're on because we just said that together. But you know, <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. So yeah, if you're if you're one of our listeners and you work in healthcare, oh my goodness, like we we Love commend you, you and respect you. Yeah, we are not worthy. Um, but actually, no. but also, please do your best to stay safe. And if there's anything we can do to help you, please get in touch with us, please. So, yeah. Um, but again, that's all the news we've got. We don't even have episode descriptions for 19, do we? No, because nobody knows when 19's airing. I, I can't imagine that it's not, like, I bet it's going to be, like, two or three weeks at least. They've got to. My guess is, like, middle of April yeah, at least. Yeah, they've got to space it out. But, I mean, it, it's it's getting scary, like, the things that we're starting to, like, really run out of, kind of. And I don't I, I mean this like in a different way, not to like spread panic, but um, my boyfriend sent me a screenshot the other night that Australian football is postponing until May 31st. Now, that was the last bit of sports any of us had. So now that they're postponing, like there's no sports. So, yeah, yeah, pretty soon we're going to run out of TV to watch. And, you know, don't be- say that there's yeah. still plenty of we can always just rewatch Elite over and over and over again. I mean, yeah, oh yes, we can. Um, by the way, there's still plenty of, and we have La Casa to come, that's coming out. I am so excited for La Casa. Ugh. Like there is plenty of shows to watch, Dina. We're gonna be fine. We're gonna be okay. So don't worry if there are gaps in programming. We have so much else to talk about, including our Spanish shows. So don't even worry about that. Oh yeah, yeah. I still have my other Spanish show to finish too. So yes, there's plenty to oh, talk oh, about. Oh, the one about the stripper. Yes, the one with the stripper, <laughs> yes. I think we now officially, with, with that sound, I officially need to do an episode on our Spanish shows. Oh my god, yes. Yeah, oh. we need to specifically call it our Spanish shows. <laughs> yes, we will do a bonus episode called our Spanish shows. That's, well, that's happening now. Now you know one of the episodes you're getting in between programming breaks. <laughs> so Our Spanish shows. For real, though. Because we will convince everyone to watch them. Oh, like, yes. And it's our mission in life to convince everyone to watch these shows. It, it it really is, though. And that'll give me enough time to finally watch Toy Boy. How many episodes is it? 13. That's not bad. They're like an hour each. Okay. Can work with that. Yeah. I still, I still think I have like five left. I've like slowed down a lot. But it's good. I like, well, we'll talk about it. We'll save it for the. <laughs> okay. All right. We should I'll be after La Casa. After the new season. Yeah. So like April fourth or like whatever uh, whatever Wednesday is after that if we have no new episodes there we go yeah so just programming into the future y'all being productive <laughs> hashtag social distancing life what actually oh though. man all right so that's all the news we've got and you guys know the drill if you see anything send it to us it's not like we're gonna be going places in the next couple of weeks so mm-hmm. yeah yeah, <laughs> we're around. Um, we're brainstorming a couple things, though, ways that we can all stay engaged and do some fun stuff, too. So we're we're thinking up ideas. So, you know, just just stay tuned. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned. So without further ado, I think it's time to move into the episodes, shall we? Let's do it. So I feel like this was a pretty easygoing week in one Chicago. This was just a very, like, normal not out of the ordinary week. And I say that even though Med's episode was its hundredth. I'd agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Which we'll talk about at the end after we talk about Med, but yes. Yeah, like nothing earth shattering happened. It was just three very standard, wholesome episodes. 
Yes. I don't know if I'd use the word wholesome for some of it, but yes. Well, okay. Although, well, the earth shattering part doesn't necessarily apply to Ethan and April, but oh, will we get there? Oh, will we get there? <laughs> yeah. So, let's, yeah. Let's go. So, Med, let's start off with Natalie and Dr. Charles. So, this case is so funny to me because Natalie gets this patient. She's four years old. Her name's Mindy. She is the cutest little thing, by the she's way. She's so cute. Oh, my goodness. She's so cute. And she's got all of these things apparently wrong with her. Like, mom's just like, yeah, well, she's got this respiratory illness. She was staring at a wall this morning. It usually means she's had a seizure, blah, blah, blah. Natalie's like, okay, we'll just run some tests and see what happens. And so Natalie walks outside and sees Goodwin talking to Dr. Strauss. Dr. Strauss specializes in medical child abuse. And so Dr. Strauss is like, so... Every time Mindy and her mom come in, it sets off a red flag for Munchausen's by proxy. I already knew what that was. Did you, Brenna? Uh-uh. So this is like the Gina explanation of this. So it's terrible. But it's basically where a parent kind of imagines the child's symptoms-ish. Gotcha. Sorta. Kinda. I, you know, just just Google it if you're curious. It was that's a okay. really bad like explanation, but yeah. And so, mom's been flagged for Munchausen's, and they're it basically they're basically accusing the mom of making up the child symptoms. It's it's a mental illness, and so the whole gist of their story here is that, you know, they keep having these meetings to convene and decide what they're gonna do with mom, and. Finally, you know, Dr. Charles, thank God he's there because, as always, he's the voice of reason to be like, let's take a step back. Let's talk this out. Let's figure out what's going on. And so he's like, well, if she, if mom says that the child can't breathe, let's just take her off oxygen and see what happens. Nothing happens. And finally, Dr. Charles sits down with mom and just kind of reasons with her. And it turns out that she had a horrifically traumatic birth experience and Dr. Charles is just able to deduce that it's not Munchausen, it's PTSD, because part of PTSD is hypervigilance. And so mom had such a traumatic experience giving birth to her daughter that she's just hypervigilant of everything. I just found it a little amusing that for once it was like the opposite of how Natalie cases usually go. I was literally about to say the one thing that I thought was so interesting about this is that Natalie didn't like jump at the chance to like turn somebody into um like child and family services yeah um i just i mean that's so anti-natalie it's like oh okay and then she like kind of just billing was like yeah sure like dr charles like we'll try your way you know like she was just like it was so, so unlike natalie it really is but i think natalie and dr charles need to work together more often yes 100 percent. she he is definitely the voice of reason to her sometimes loony Instance. ways of thinking. Yes. He he kind of puts a cap on her so that she doesn't she doesn't go overboard. He he kind of stops her, which is good. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Yeah. Um we also have to talk about just really briefly mention real quick the whole Dr. Charles and his daughter. Yes, yes aspect. Um and the fact that I I mean, I remember learning that Dr. Charles had a daughter because we saw that in one of the episodes we did this past summer um, because we did Med 201. 
this summer. Mm-hmm. And that's where she first appears, but like literally forgot that otherwise she existed. And I was like, oh, right. That is a thing that we knew. Yeah. I, I don't think I had forgotten, but I was just kind of like, oh, oh, yeah. Her. It was just in the back of my head. Like I knew, obviously I'd have remembered because again, it helped that we did that episode this summer else I probably wouldn't have remembered. But I was like, oh, right. This is a thing that nobody ever talks about. And mm. now she's here. Okay, cool. Cool. Yeah. I wonder if he's got any other kids. I don't know. How many wives did he have? Was it just the two of them? I thought he had had like four different kids in like four different marriages or something. But that was one like the character. Is he was... son? Or am I miss? That's a good question. No, that was his nephew that we met. Right. I'm not talking about that. But like, does he have a son? Why do I feel like? I don't know. I don't think so but i think when the character was like first first pitched they had said that he had like four different kids by four different women but that obviously might have changed that's probably changed really right because we've only ever met um robin and anna yeah yeah and so anna's kind of bratty but like she's 13 i think all 13 year olds are bratty by default yeah, and I feel like, I mean, her feelings were valid, you know, of course, that, like, she felt, like, abandoned by him, and obviously he didn't want her to feel like that, but he did kind of abandon her. Absolutely. Um, I mean, so. yeah. But, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, when she saw what was happening, that they were going to take Mindy away, and then she was like, are they going to separate you from me? I was like, um, that's a little bit of a reach, but her logic yeah. was sound, so... Right. It like it, I understood where she was coming from. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, I don't know, maybe we'll see more of her. That would be cool. Yeah. You know who she reminded me of was um Al's daughter, not Lexi, uh Michelle. Mhm. Yeah, yeah. She does. Yeah, definitely reminded me of Michelle. Michelle who definitely disappeared like nobody ever heard from her again but she like most of the actors who have come and gone on PD ended up on Arrow, didn't she? Yeah, she did. Yeah. She, I remember there was that picture that even though they didn't work at the same time, she and Josh Segarra were talking about in the Instagram comments about how, like, you know, they, just like they would have bonded. It, 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 oh, all the feels. Yeah, Justin and Michelle, just, you know, the huge <sighs> feelings everywhere. Feelings. Yeah, so, yeah, maybe we'll see more of Anna. I don't know. We'll see. But, um, kind I of. I mean, probably not for another, like, four seasons. I know. I know. <laughs> I know, probably won't be this season, but, you know. She'll be in college the next time we see her. She really will, though. I know. I know. Exactly. It's like anytime we ever saw Ava on PD, it was like, first she was, like, tiny, and then the next thing we knew, she was applying for college, and we were like, what? What? (laughs) Yeah. When when did that happen? (laughs) Yeah. I hear you there. So, yeah, just kind of nothing too remarkable about Natalie and Dr. Charles. Just very interesting that, you know. Dr. Charles is a good balance to Natalie and Natalie handled that case really well. And so it was surprising, but um, yeah, I I don't know. So that was an interesting one too, just because I could see, I I feel like, I feel like Dr. Charles's uh, diagnosis wasn't, wasn't finite. Like it really, you could have made an argument for either condition. Yeah. Yeah. And so at that point, it's kind of a judgment call. It's just kind of like Dr. Charles just kind of has to hope that he made the right call. Which I think he did. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. So we've also got April and Ethan. Oh, my goodness. April and Ethan. Woo, child. Shit finally hit the fan. Oh, did it. Oh, did it. Okay. So 
so they get in. April's not feeling well, whatever. Midway through the shift, April just kind of doubles over in pain. And so, you know, Will catches her or whatever. They take her in and Will's just like, what do I need to know? And April's just like, I'm doing IVF. This is what's going on. And Will specifically requests Dr. Asher. Now, this happens after Will and Doris see Hannah walk in and Doris just Doris gonna Doris, man. She really is the Regina George of that hospital. Like she really is. She really is. And so she's just like, well, I wouldn't want her to operate on me. And Will's just like, nobody asked you. Right. Why are you speaking? She really is Regina George. Like, her hair is full of secrets. Just... <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, man. And, and then, I mean, Doris is just so amusing because, like, she's, you know, she's in the background. But when she does surface, she always has something mean to say. It's kind of great, though. It is. Yeah. You can always kind of count on that. God. Yeah. But, yeah, so Will specifically, it's like, no, get Dr. Asher. I want her to do this. And it turns out that April has a mild case of OHSS, which stands for ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome. That sounds awful. Yeah, I... No, like, you know, I don't think we have many male listeners, so I can say that ovaries aren't really fun to deal with in the first place. Like, the hyperstimulation syndrome does... No. Uh Uh-uh. Nope, nope, nope. Stay away. Stay, Stay away. away. Brian is making the like Wakanda forever sign in the camera right now. Like you can't even see Stay it. away. It sounds awful. I'm so sorry, male listeners, that you had to hear that. But it sounds awful. Um, but the funny thing is here is that, you know, Hannah's doing her thing and she's just like, okay, this coupled with that coupled with the other thing, I think it's OHSS. And Will's just like, it's pretty common with IVF. Like he has to just kind of add on. And Hannah gives him like, the biggest side eye. There's a lot of side eye happening in this episode of Med, and it's actually quite fantastic. It is, but like I wanted to like facepalm every time Will spoke in this episode. That part in particular, though, I think. I mean, he's he's friends with April, right? Like he and April have a little bit of a friendship there, and so I think that was just him like talking to his friend. But I mean, if I'm Hannah, yeah, I get fucking irritated about that too. Yeah, like, I mean, I don't know. I feel like if the point of, like, Will was clearly trying to make a point by having Hannah on this case, right? That Hannah is still qualified enough, and, like, the fact that she's an addict doesn't, didn't hurt her ability to, like, be a doctor and, like, help people. Is that's his point. That's the point he's trying to make, right? I didn't take it that way. I feel like Will treated her like a kindergartner in this episode, and it made me so mad. Well, I think he's trying to make a point by, like, you know, after the Doris comment, he's like, oh, well, I'm going to ask Hannah to be on this case because, like, people think, you know, she has a bad reputation now, and I want to prove that she's still a good doctor. So he brings her in to work on his friend, who he trusts, you know, like, he wouldn't trust just anybody to work on April. But then he, like, degrades her, like you said, and, like, talks down to her like a kindergartner and I wanted to just like punch him in the face. I was like, Will, what the fuck are you doing? This isn't the way to show everyone else that like she's still a good doctor. Like you're literally sitting here like going underneath her. Like what the fuck are you doing? You notice how once again, once again, he is trying to atone for something that he did. So like he's trying to make up for the fact that he publicly outed her by trying to bolster her up but he really he really treats her like a child in this episode and if i'm her i punch him in the balls i mean uh we'll we'll save it we'll save it for the i mm, mm. okay 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 we'll we'll get there yeah so 
later on down the line, fluid starts to accumulate in April's abdomen and it makes it really hard to breathe. And so by this point, you know, Nurse Trini, she tipped off Ethan. And so Ethan's, Ethan comes running in and both of them are kind of being dicks to Hannah. And I don't think they mean to be, but like they are because, you know, Ethan runs in. Hannah's got everything under control. And then Ethan's just like, oh, we should probably give her albumin too. Bitch, that's the first thing Hannah did. Right. And but at least with Ethan, like this is his fiance. Like, you know, he's just acting out of like his feelings and that he's scared and he obviously doesn't want anything to happen to her. Ethan, I'm okay with. I mean, I still don't think it's right that he did that, but I'm okay with the fact that it happened from him. Will, I just fucking will. I can't even anymore. I know. I, I, I felt bad for her that she basically had to look at Will to get Ethan out of the room because Ethan wouldn't listen to her. So she had yeah. to look to an, she had to look to a man to get the other man out of the room. I feel bad for her. I do too. And I, I, again, I don't think it was intentional on Ethan or Will's parts, but they, it, I, they didn't realize how, how it comes across. Yeah. Like I said, Ethan, I understand a little bit more because again, he's just acting out of fear, but Ugh, Will. Ugh. I know. It irks me. The part that really pissed me off was when Hannah, Hannah very successfully drains the fluid, like no big deal, whatever. And so she walks outside for them to have like a little conversation and Will just looks at her and is like, good job, Dr. Asher. And I didn't take that as like a, a colleague giving another colleague props. I took that as him being like, good job. Good job, Hannah. Yeah. Like, do you want a sticker? Like, Fuck you, Will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Oh, literally all episode. I was just like, fuck you like what the fuck are you doing i, I can't take it anymore i know and it's also so frustrating because i was looking at him this whole episode and i was like you're making me so angry and yet why do i love you like why do i love will halstead but i also want to punch him all the time yeah a hundred percent he was he was pretty bad this episode because he's still on his high horse yeah, I think this is the most anger I felt towards Will since he, like, didn't tell Natalie all the stuff that was going on with him leading up to his wedding, mm-hmm. leading or leading up to their wedding. Because at that point, I was just like, Will, what the fuck are you doing? Why aren't you telling her, et cetera, et cetera. And this is the most anger I've been at him since that moment. I'm like, Will, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you treating her this way when you say you care about her? Blah, blah, blah. Like, just stop. Just stop. And I always go back to what Nick said when we interviewed him, which if you haven't listened, go, because that's that's probably my favorite interview that we've done to date. But he always said, he said in our interview, he's like, you know, Will's got a big heart. And I always repeat that to myself. And I just remember, I'm like, he's got a big heart. He just doesn't go about things the right way. Yeah, but at some point, too, like, okay, it's not like Will is just like some naive 20-something-year-old who, like, doesn't really know the world yet. Like, it's like 35 like he can't like at some point this is like not okay anymore no i'm with you i'm with you but again you know goodwin's an enabler so she's just like just don't do it again that is really the most unsafe place in this fucking world i can't even <laughs> it really is i can't even it's I so know. toxic i can't Right. Well, okay, speaking of toxic, though, I'm starting to feel like Will and Hannah are getting close to checking that box, but I think we'll, we'll get there as to why I'm starting to feel that way. So, okay, so we, we eventually know that April's going to be okay, and so she basically confesses to Ethan that she doubled up on her hormones. So 
And this is another thing that I'm just like, April, what are you doing? What are the women of Chicago men doing right now? Okay, so she's like, I doubled up on hormones. I did it to myself. And she just goes, you want a baby? She sacrificed her health for what her boyfriend wants. But the boy, her fiance, first of all, fiance. I forget they're engaged. <laughs> I know that was like the least memorable engagement of all time. Like so bad. But like also too, it you're you're sacrificing your body for what your fiance wants, even though he said that like if they had to go a different route, he'd be okay because he loves her. But then also too, she's got this whole Crockett thing going on, and she doesn't know how she feels about that. I literally cannot with April anymore. It. <laughs> She was she so drives afraid, me up a wall. So she afraid me up a wall. to tell him the truth that she'd, she'd rather sacrifice her help than tell Ethan the truth. Yeah. Just because she thinks if a baby's in a picture, that'll make things okay when she does eventually come clean. Girl. What are you doing? No. No, that's not how this works. No. Oh, my God. April. Dude. It's so, so bad. This is so bad. This it, is... Yeah. This is honestly worse than, like, if she had had, a, like, gotten pregnant and then lost the baby. If this had been, like, an ectopic pregnancy. But I cannot speak. An ectopic preg- pregnancy. I cannot speak tonight. But anyway, like, this is honestly worse than that. If she had just, like, lost the baby. Like, this Ooh, is. That's a hot I, take. But, like, because she did it to herself to try to make the situation better for when she told, when she eventually came clean. Yeah. I mean, not saying that that's a good situation. Like, obviously, losing the baby is still hard. And we've seen, as we've seen with Burgess, as we've seen with April before, as we've seen with Dawson. Like, that would obviously be a terrible storyline. Mm-hmm. But I think this and the fact that, like, she's not, she literally just doesn't know how she feels. So she's trying to hurt. She's doing something to her body to try to, I don't know. It just really rubs me the wrong way. That that rubbed me the wrong way that she, you know, she she basically put she put Ethan's needs above her own health. And that rubbed me the wrong way because that is that's not that's not good. Right. But I think she also put what she perceives Ethan's needs to be above her body because he said before that, like, yeah, he wants a baby, but not at the expense of her. Right. And she's not hearing what he's saying. Everything he's telling her is going in one ear and out the other. So really, in a way, she's she's almost well, she's kind of putting her own needs first because she's wanting to have a baby to make the, you know, make the pressure of telling him the truth go away. Right. And that's why I'm saying it's worse. It's just because, like. I don't want to say this could have easily been avoided because that sounds bad, but like in some ways it could have Right. You know? Yeah. I don't know. And I don't want to, like, keep harping on April, but, like, girl, what are you doing? But, girl, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, she's really frustrating me this season. I think she needs some time to, she needs to be single for a little bit. Yes. 100%. And during that time, needs to work on communicating. Yes. And, and like, using her voice and like putting herself first. And stay away from people whose names are Crockett and Ethan. That's a good strategy. Mm-hmm. It's a good strategy. She just, I feel like she, well, I mean, with Tate, she put herself first. I mean, I, 
what's the difference there that she's so afraid to speak up and, you know, advocate for herself with Ethan? I think it's because her feelings are just deeper. Like, I think with Tate, it was like, she cared about Tate, of course, but like, she wasn't, it wasn't enough to like, that she was willing to change for herself. But Mm -hmm. clearly, I mean, she's in love with Ethan. I mean, that's not a secret, but like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. It's crazy. But she also might be in love with Crockett. I don't know. God, what the hell? I know, I know. Okay. (laughs) We're going to get there. We're going to get there. Okay, so basically, the minute that Ethan's like, yeah, I want a baby, but not at the expense of your health, now it's time for the truth. So, like, sorry, Ethan, buckle up, because it's coming. So she finally is like, I wanted to make up for kissing Crockett, you know, the night you left, blah, blah, blah. I kissed him. And I feel like maybe he forgot that the night he left, he was being a dick. Not that that yeah. makes it okay, but still. Yeah, yeah, this is what I'm saying. That doesn't make it okay, but yes, I think he definitely also forgot. Yeah. I think so. I think especially too, because it's not like April got drunk and then, like, accidentally kissed Crockett and, like, a drunken, you know, whatever. It was like, oh, I freaking, you know. Like, clearly April did it because she's feeling something towards him. Mm-hmm. Which, not that Ethan knows that, but, like, still. Right. We know that as the audience, and it's like, well... It wasn't out of nowhere either. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And so the minute she says this, like the minute she's like, I kissed him, Ethan like lets go of her hand and he's just like, fuck this, fuck you, fuck everything, like fuck all of it. Fuck and, me, fuck, 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 fuck. But actually though, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's just like, fuck it all. And he confronts Crockett and I thought for sure it was just going to be like a just giant like deck across the face. He shoves him, and I was like, all right. Like, I was thinking it was going to be a punch, whatever. And before he could get a punch in, which I feel like was just, like, right there, Trudy Platt comes and breaks it up. Doesn't that mean I win the bet? I think it does. So I I owe you a drink at ATX if it happens. The next time we see each other, you owe me a drink. Yes, which will hopefully be this year. It had better be this year. Well, I'm seeing you at some point, for sure. We'll make it happen. Oh, we will make it happen, yes. But, but yeah, so you win the bet. I was wrong. It was only a shove, not a punch. <laughs> I was really hoping it would be, though. I felt I just like saw I mean, it in yeah, my head. It was definitely the moment. Like I, I kind of wanted him to punch him, but I also didn't because I wanted to win the bet. But like <laughs> I wanted just him to just like, just like an elite. When I wanted, I just wanted to punch Malik right in the face. I wanted Ethan to do the same thing, just like boom, bam. Yeah, I was thinking it was gonna be one where he like you know like brings his shoulder back to like wind up energy and just like bam, like right across the face, like Mortal Kombat style. <laughs> but no no but Trudy Platt I mean the one time she pops up she's breaking up fights which is fine that's fine but ugh, so close this is like when Ruzik I really wanted Ruzik to punch Roman and then Linstead broke it up oh man yeah man but yeah and and Crockett totally like knows what he did this is almost like on station 19 with Rigo's wife like you uh-huh. know, yeah yeah <laughs> So many punches that we wanted to happen. It really, I know. Well, in that case, Rigo did punch Jack, but it was like Jack just stood there yeah. and took it because he knew it was up. And this is kind of the same for Crockett. Crockett was like, I know what's coming to me. So whatever. Yeah. yeah. And so at the end, Goodwin talks to Ethan about what happened. And Goodwin's very like she handles it differently than I thought she would. I thought she was going to be like, what the hell, Ethan? But he she like reasons with him and she's kind of there for him. And it was nice. I don't know. Nice. Yeah, I don't know if that's the word I would choose, but yes, nice. Yeah, it, it was it, it was odd, but yeah, he he was just like, and and when he said, I mean, he was very, 
you could tell that he's he's legit very upset over April kissing Crockett. And so, yeah, but it's almost he's kind of beating himself up in a way because he was explaining to Goodwin. He's like, you know, April and I are trying to have a baby and I didn't see that there were problems. And Goodwin, again, just says something very logical. She's like, you've seen a lot of death. You know, it's only natural that you would want to bring life into the world. And, you know, they're talking and whatever. And Goodwin's like, okay, well, I'll see you at the wedding. And she walks out and Ethan executes like the perfect single man tier. Like I would give it a 10.0. It was just a perfectly executed, like one tier down the cheek. The the Dean Winchester single man tier, which I keep saying I'm going to tell Bryna all about, like the Dean Winchester single man tier. I never do. But Jensen Ackles is a very good crier, if you're wondering. Just the single one tier. Just boom. Yep. It, it's pretty good. So at the wedding, no Ethan. I mean, no Ethan. Which, like, poor Maggie, because, like, what if she really wanted Ethan to be there? Yeah. Also, April's at the wedding. Which, April, like, yeah. why the fuck is April at the wedding? She was just in the hospital. I'm just saying she should not be at this damn wedding. Maggie would not care. Maggie would want her to be in that bed. Right. Right. Her ovaries literally just tried to, like, eat her alive Explode. today. And yeah. She okay. More power to you, girl, because you know whatever. Um, I mean, she looked great, but like she should really not have been there. No, probably not. Probably not. Also, who should not have been there? Hannah with Will. Just saying. Bingo! I second that. I second that. It's fucking Will. Weird. What? First of all, Will should not have asked her because clearly she hates him. But I guess not really because she went with him. I just I don't know. I I don't know. This is why I feel like Will and Hannah are becoming a toxic ship because. Will was talking down to her the entire episode, and then at the end, she's like, I guess you were right to publicly humiliate me. And she's like, yeah, that was exactly what I needed. Like, yay! And then she goes to walk away, and that's when Will is like, want to come to a wedding? It's like, they're they're getting, like, maybe they're both just lonely, and that's why they keep gravitating towards each other, but it's not but healthy. Like, where does they go? Because I really thought this was going to be, like, an Anna, you know, situation. Like, I thought they were going to fall in love, and then, like, Hannah was going to die. So, like, I don't know. Who the hell knows? And also, because of the show's ending earlier than they thought, like, what? Does that mean Hannah's going to pop up in season six, too? She very well could. I mean, she probably will, come to think of it now. Just because we won't have maybe not have had an ending to that storyline. Right, right. And it it bugs me that Will did not ask her to go to the wedding until after she was like, you were right. Uh, Will. I think they're very quickly becoming a toxic ship. I don't even hesitate to use the word ship because I don't think anyone actually likes them together. Well, no, but I I say ship in the term that they're like. Yeah, yeah, like a... A relationship, yeah. They've seen each other naked. So, uh, don't don't remind me of that. (laughs) So, at the wedding, first off, and and, I mean, I guess we could save this for the Maggie and Ben part, but I just want to say that green dress on Natalie was amazing. Stunning. Oh my God. Tori looked amazing. Holy shit. Holy shit. That dress was amazing. Insane. Emerald green is Tori's color. Big time. Big time. That dress was gorgeous. Oh my God. Loved it. So Natalie, at one point, she's like, she realizes that she's standing next to Crockett and she just looks at him and she's like, you hit on April. And she's like, here, I thought you were a good guy. And Crockett responds very smugly, actually. He's like, well, whatever gave you that idea? And she walks away from him. And I saw a tweet on Wednesday night that cracked me up. And it might have been 
I can't remember who it was from, but somebody somebody posted like that after that moment. It was just like, ooh, Natalie just socially distanced herself from Crockett. I was like, okay, that's actually kind of funny. That was kind of funny. But yeah. I will say, though, I like obviously I know that Natalie is April's friend. And so she's only pretty much going to hear April's side or like hear the rumor mill flying. But it's not all Crockett's fault. It's definitely not. And it's it, not saying that Crockett is innocent in all this because he's not. But, like, it is not all of his damn fault. I'm just saying. Right. And I don't know if that truth... And I think he's not that person who's going to be like, well, it's not just... he. He's not the person that would say that. So, like, he's going to swallow all of that and, like, just kind of keep it to himself. But, like, still. Right. But, like, whatever gave you that idea, that's a pretty smug thing to say. But it's so Crockett, though. Like, that was literally the most Crockett response I think I've ever heard. But again, this is where he's he's just it's it's so hard to read him sometimes because like he's a good guy, but then he goes and says stuff like that. So like how does his ego mix in with his personality? And like right when you think that he's, you know, his ego is not that bad, then he says shit like that. And it's just I just feel like this is the epitome of him being that kind of person that doesn't let people in really easily. Mm -hmm. And so he's saying that and he's like, well, what gave you that idea? Like, yeah, we kind of got close, but like I, you didn't get, I didn't let you in all the way and I'm not going to, well, maybe I will one day down the line. I don't know. But like, I just feel like that's him. Like he's that person who like kind of lets people in a little bit and they think maybe that's like, they know a lot more than he lets on. I don't know. Like that's just kind of the vibe I get from Crockett. I don't know. I don't know. I, do I also, also want to mention spoke- that Crockett looked really good at the wedding, too. But that's a side <laughs> note. I was going to say, it kind of tiny bit broke my heart. Just a tiny bit that Natalie said that to him after after the kidnapping. Just a little bit. Mm, mm, mm. But I feel like this, they're so fully going for a Natalie Crockett April triangle, and I don't know if I'll be able to handle it. It just, that sounds ridiculous. Just... Please, please don't. Please don't. Yeah. Please don't. Yeah. But then, during the wedding, frickin' Crockett and April are both making eyes at each other. What are both of you doing? That's what I'm saying. That's why. That, that's why. Because they're not gonna let go of the Natalie Crockett thing, because I think they're working together this week. Maybe. I think they're working together this week. I think that was in the promo. Um, Oh, yeah, because they're gonna disagree. It was the whole promo. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Natalie and Crockett are going to work together. So clearly that's still a thing that's happening. And then Crockett and April, I don't know. I feel like they're so clearly going for a Crockett-April love triangle. But I could be wrong. And I'll happily be wrong. Same. Yeah. Same. Just give me my Crockett and Natalie. <laughs> but then also, I mean, the, the blatant disregard for Ethan, if these two are actually going to, like, make eyes at each other and actually pursue each other now. For I April... Know. April was just like, April just put her health at risk to have a baby with Ethan. And just like that, she's going to drop him like a hotcake. And never mind how well Crockett and Ethan were working together. And just like that, he's like, well, fuck you, man. You're out of the picture now. So I'm just going to go get with your girl. Med is a really fucked up place. It's really, nobody's okay at Med. Nobody's ever okay at Med. Except for Maggie. Thank God. But Thank God. We'll get there. We will get there. But yeah. Oh, man. Man, it's getting messy. I mean, it's already messy, but it's getting messier. Ben is always messy. It really is, though. It really is. Just And we said that it was a wholesome episode. I mean, and we're not even done yet. We're not even done oh, yet. I know. I know. I know. 
So we also had, you know, Crockett and Ethan working together. It's it's quick, but Brenna, will you take us through it? Yeah. So basically a cop from the 21st, of course, is brought in with a gunshot wound. Um, in surgery, Crockett and Ethan are together working on the patient and they find an abscess and a piece of foam from a seat of a car. And so that indicates that to them that he's been shot before because how else does that end up in his body? Um, and so they ask him about it, but of course nothing he says is consistent with the scars. He's just trying to, you know, say like, no, you know, nothing. I didn't get shot. I got stabbed by a sword when I was a kid. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Mm. Which like, it's so obvious that he's lying. Mm -hmm. Like, so obvious um and crockett makes this like (laughs) remark about how a lie can poison a man's life and it's just like oh crockett Mm -hmm. always speaking some prophetic thing that ties in so perfectly but yet like yeah Uh, a lie can poison two men's lives yeah and a woman's yeah and a woman's yeah it turns out a lie is poisoning the life of everybody in that room yeah so ultimately the officer ends up confessing. Basically he and his friend knocked off a liquor store when he was 17 his friend died. He lived. And so he chose to become a cop because of that. You know, like he thought it was like a sign of God, blah, blah, blah. The- and this is of course, after the whole Crockett, Ethan fight, almost fight thing. Um, so Choi is like pissed that he's called in at the same time as Crockett and that he has to sit here and listen to this. Have you seen the dramatic chipmunk gif or the meme where like the mm-hmm. chipmunk turns around and makes the face and it's like, dun, dun, dun. Uh-uh. Oh my God. I think you would know it if I got to send it to you. But I that that was choice face when Crockett was like, thanks for sharing that with us. Like, I can't imagine how hard that was. And Ethan just turns around and is like, like his face. <laughs> is, I know. I just did it on the camera. It's amazing. Like I need somebody to make a gif of that like immediately because it was pretty great. It was it was oh pretty God. great. I'm going to send you that meme because I can't believe you've never seen it. And the I minute you see it, I think I you're going to know. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So. Uh, but yeah. yeah, like you said, that's it. Pretty brief storyline. Um, I don't know if these two will ever be able to work together again, but we'll cross that bridge, I guess, when we get there. Which is a bummer, by the way, because those two were getting some, they were getting shit done. Mm-hmm. Finally. Yeah. About time somebody does. Yeah. For sure. For sure. So, uh, yeah, it's a bummer. Um, And lastly, most importantly, our sweet babies, Maggie and Ben. Thank God. The best. Oh, my God. Thank God. Um, I didn't put anything in the outline here because I'm terrible. And let's be real, focusing has been so hard this past week. Um, Do you want to take it or you want me to? No, I got it. Okay, cool. I'm going to send you the dramatic chipmunk video in the meantime. Yeah, I mean, basically what happens with Maggie and Ben is they're planning their wedding. Um, They got it together in two weeks, which is very impressive because having just helped my best friend plan her wedding, and and I thought five months was, like, pretty quick, which it is, but, like, two weeks, that's, that's pretty damn impressive. And so with that, Maggie's dream place, which of it is a venue I cannot remember the name of, but I think that's where Obama got married. The Opal Room. Isn't that where Obama got married? Is I that what I think that's what Wolf Entertainment's Twitter said, yeah. Yeah. So like incredible. I mean, only one couple in med is, of course, like worthy of that, and it is Maggie and Ben. So like But know. actually though. But actually though. Um uh, but of course everything starts going wrong. The flowers were left on the tarmac at O'Hare, so like they're done. 
um, the pipes first or there was a sewage issue and so they can't actually use the venue anymore and Maggie's freaking out but she wants to take all of it on herself and not let Ben help at all even though Ben just wants to desperately help and take some of that off her shoulders um and he even tells her he, he like it, they're having a conversation about it and he's like you know it's because like you're in remission now like you know like, like you want to do everything yourself like you don't want to have to rely on other people but like you're in remission now like you can rely on me like that's what this is like we're getting married like we're gonna be each other's partners and i don't remember that's not the exact line but it's something along those lines but like ben is just the best really though like the best yeah and so he does end up taking over the wedding and like planning a second venue and it's at the bowling alley where he has his wednesday night bowling league and it's amazing. Like, I never would have even considered getting married in a bowling alley or at least having my reception there. But, like, amazing. How perfect is that, though? Like, you don't have to go anywhere for the reception. Right. And, like, so much fun. Yes. Because you could also have a dance floor, too. Like, I need somebody to have a wedding reception in a bowling alley so that I can go. Once this madness subsides, like, <laughs> hey, Charlie, what if we do our reception at main event if we ever get married? Because <laughs> then uh, you've got yes. laser tag, Dance Dance Revolution, like, oh, yeah. Gina, you have to have your wedding reception there. Yeah, pretty good idea. And, like, the black light was such a cool effect, too, how, like, the balls lit yeah. up. And then, like, on the screens, it's a Nagy and Ben. Oh, my God. It was so sweet. And I just love, too, like, the music choice of, like, now that we found the... Like, I just, I loved it so much. I just, like, I loved it so much. Like, everything about it. I was, like, smiling from ear to ear. I just thought that was, like, amazing. Like, I loved it. And it was just so perfect to see everybody smiling and everybody happy. Like, you saw everybody bowl. Bert was there with Sharon. Like, that was really sweet. Um, and, you know, you see everybody bowling. Dr. Charles was bowling. Will was bowling. Everybody was smiling. It was really nice. Yeah, and I think what the Wolf Entertainment account tweeted that, like, I think they had their season three rap party there, season two rap party there. And I just, I thought that was so cool, too. Yeah, that's badass. Yeah. It was so perfect. Just a perfect ending. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but I will say, so we got this question from Allison G, and we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier. And she said, the wedding on Med was great, but otherwise it didn't really feel like a 100th episode to me. Kind of Med doing the same old Med things, whereas Fire's 100th episode was epic. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Okay, so Fire's 100th was epic because Casey and Dawson got married. And they're the mothership of One Chicago. Like, the mothership. I don't think any couple on med is capable of having the same impact right but and i don't necessarily think it needed to be like somebody getting married to have that impact but i do kind of agree that it just felt like another med episode Mm -hmm. in some ways the only reason Um, it felt different was because there was a happy ending instead of everybody brooding after antagonizing each other for a whole hour Right. But, like, it did just kind of in that way feel like another episode. And, like, we've talked about, too, with, like, PD's 100th episode, how, like, we wish it wasn't a crossover and that we even, like, got just something on their own. But, yeah, like, I don't know. I don't feel like every 100th episode needs to be something, like, fantastic. I will say this one is better than PD's just for that fact that, like, it is at least their own episode and, like, not tied to a crossover. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I mean, Fires is still forever going to be the best. And then meds and then pds 
I feel like they made a point of fires also because fire was the first show. And so I think with PD and Med, they feel like they're not as big of a deal, even though they are. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. So, but yeah, I agree. It was nothing, nothing remarkable. It was just, you know, the happy ending was well appreciated. Yeah, for sure. Also, where was our invite to this wedding? Right. I'm just saying, I need to go to this bowling alley wedding now. Like I need somebody to, I need somebody to do it in my life. I legit, like that, that wedding scene made me want to be like, what, what, what bowling alley is that I want to go, even though it's just another bowling alley. Love it. Yeah. So perfect. Uh, Love it. Yeah. So any other thoughts on med? No. But, like, we had a lot of thoughts, so I have nothing else to say. No, not really. But moving into fire. Okay, this is where the wholesome part clicks in. Like, this episode was very wholesome. See, I don't know if I'd use that word to describe it. Like, it was a good, solid episode, but wholesome? It was satisfying. Okay. Agree to disagree. Wholesome in that it, like, I feel like everybody got a good outcome. Except for Herman. But that was hilarious. Yes. Okay, that I will agree with. So, we'll go with satisfying, or I'll go with satisfying. I don't know. So, we will start off with Casey and Gallo. So, we, you know, we got all of our ship moments, we got all of our, like, nice friendship moments, and we also got a reference from the past. That was pretty good. I do enjoy yeah. a good callback. An unexpected reference from the past. Yeah, but actually, <laughs> though, for real, yeah. So, we start off with Casey and Gallo. So, right off the bat, 51 gets called to a house fire. Mom's in a wheelchair and the house is on fire. So basically when Casey and Gallo get there, they find the wheelchair turned over and mom is on the stairs. And so she's trying to get to her son is basically what's going on. So they get everyone out. But the neighbor who is just like awful, uh, she's just like, yeah, well, she's going to get that boy killed. Like she can't take care of him because she's paralyzed. And Casey's just kind of like, passive aggressively staring at her and Mouch is finally like you're not helping anyone so like zip it like bye um I've just gotta say it though Arlene kind of looked like Dr. Charles didn't she I mean I have to go back and look at it a little closer but like I can guess I can see where you're coming from I just was like who does she remind me of and I was like why does she remind me of Dr. Charles I think her movements were very like similar I don't Uh. know But yeah, so basically mom's paralyzed is what's going on. And in our chat with Derek on Friday, we also briefly touched on this, that um, from a representation standpoint, this is badass. Um, Jenny, the mom, is played by Rachel Miner. And Rachel Miner in real life has multiple sclerosis and she is wheelchair bound. Um, I know this because Supernatural. eh, um, But gosh, Rachel Miner is such a badass. I love her so much. So that was really cool to see her pop up. and like A plus on the representation part, Chicago Fire. Mm-hmm. Good job. Good job. Um, so at the Supernatural Cons too, Rachel always like picks a theme and she always like pimps out her wheelchair to look like a unicorn. Just Rachel's like a That's ray of cool. sunshine. She's just, she's the best. So I didn't realize she was like that big of in the Supernatural world. She's huge in the Supernatural world. Yeah, she played Meg in the early seasons. Meg was a demon who became best friends with Castiel, which all of this means nothing to you. I realize that, but she was huge in the early seasons. Yeah, and so she's still on the con circuit and so she is Uh, so beloved by all the Supernatural fans. Yeah, she's great. Have you met her? Um, 
have I? I I don't think I actually have. I don't think I've ever done a photo op with her, but her panels and like my friends who have met her just, they say she's the best and she really is. Her panels are so great because she always talks about like keeping things positive and keeping things upbeat in the face of adversity. She's also a huge nerd, which is fantastic. So people will often get up there at the Supernatural Cons and now I'm nerding out, so I apologize, but um, people will get up there a lot of times and be like, so can you recommend me a book? Like, what are you reading right now? What are you watching? And she's just like, oh my God. She's like, there's too much. Like, let's narrow it down. Um, and I've seen her do that a bunch of times. And so she, Rachel is fantastic. So I loved, loved, loved seeing her pop up in this world. It was really exciting. Cool. I'm sorry. I just like supernatural nerd barfed all over the podcast. No, I asked. So she's great. She's so great. Um, if I ever go to another con, we shall see. I'll get a photo op with her this time and be like, ah, fire. If cons ever happen again <laughs> at oh. this point. You know those things that we used to go to and those places with those people and like back when people yeah. were allowed to interact with each other? Yeah. Good God. I miss that. I miss that too. It's such a weird time. It really is. I know. Yeah. Yeah. So after the fire, someone from DCFS shows up to 51 and she tells Casey that, you know, she got an endangerment complaint from D- asking DCFS to remove the child from earlier in the call. And Casey is so mad. Oh, my God. So mad. So mad. So he and Bowden are sitting there while she asks questions. And she just kind of keeps twisting his words. And Casey's just like, the fuck are you doing? Right. He's like, but he sees through her, too. He's like, I know what you're doing. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. No. Which is amazing. I also loved how she, he was like, you know, he's making jabs at her. He's just like, you're, these are pre-made decisions. Like, I know what you're doing. I see right through your bullshit. And not once, and this entire time is Bowden like, what the hell are you doing? Bowden's like, okay, that's enough. And he just kind of lets Casey say his piece and that's that. He doesn't reprimand him or anything because he knows that Casey's right. I love that. Right. So. Yeah. Gallo and Casey, they decide to go back to the scene of the house fire to talk to the neighbor. And this was originally just going to be Casey. And then Gallo was like, I'll come with you, Captain. I Just. Casey and Casey Jr. I love it so much. I know, really. Like, salt and pepper, peanut butter and jelly, Casey and Gallo. Just, you know, perfect pairings in life. Just, yeah. Gallo, just the precious little bean. I I can't. Yeah. He's just the best. He's just the best. And it's just funny that, you know, in this episode, Casey's like bringing up his son when really it's like anywhere Casey and Gallo go. It's just like, oh, father and son. There they are. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Just so perfect. Gallo's like the teenage son that Casey like never had. It's just so perfect. It's so good. It's just so good. I know. And so they talk to the neighbor. The biggest complaint this woman had is that Jenny can't take care of her yard. So her tree roots get into her like. They, her basically Jenny's tree roots get into Arlene's yard, and that's her biggest complaint. Like what? That's why she called DCFS. At DCFS, I can't even. Arlene is the one who like uses the Nextdoor app to bitch about the most insignificant, like petty things. Oh, a hundred percent. Oh yeah, no, she's that neighbor on Nextdoor who's just like um super passive aggressive notes, like to the person who didn't pick up after their dog this morning. Like that's her. Like what a bitch. Oh my god, the worst the worst and so Casey is so mad Casey's like seriously right now like tree roots like what you're doing is reprehensible and so this is when he brings up he's like 
I once had a son. And the minute he says it, Gallo's face is just like, uh? like, yeah, yeah. He's just like, dad, <laughs> like you had somebody before me. Um, but yeah, so Gallo's just like, I didn't know you had a son. And Casey's like, yeah, long story. Just, you know. Yeah. So they then go to see Jenny at med. And while they're there, the lady from DCFS is like, we're taking your son. DCFS is DCFS and Arlene like they're not nice they're not nice it's just no the worst I don't think DCFS has ever been painted in a positive life light on these shows on any of the shows yeah I don't think so like only when they fast track the application for Dawson to foster Louie but like that's it yeah that's, that's it. it no and so they go to complain to Bowden because, of course, it's like, you know, father and son going to complain to grandpa. Um, and yeah, so they go talk to Bowden and Bowden's like, yeah, you guys need to focus. What cracks me up here is Gallo when he like just Gallo being his cinnamon roll self. But Bryna, go ahead. You can talk about this. Yeah, I mean, Gallo basically, like, they're complaining about the situation and the nasty neighbor. And Gallo's like, she's disgusting. I don't like saying that about people, but she is. <laughs> Gallo, the purest cinnamon roll out there. Gallo was that kid who was never allowed to curse as a child, wasn't he? Like, oh, 100%. Oh, my God. He's that kid who, like, even now to this day, if he ever says the word ass, he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Just protect him at all costs. Like, I just, I can't. He's so perfect. I can't. Uh, when I was rewatching this episode, like I'm, I've been with my parents and in the midst of this, you know, self isolation mess. And my mom was like, she hasn't really been watching that closely. And she's like, so, so how do we feel about him? Like the new guy? She asked me. She's like, how do we feel about him? I'm like, we freaking love him. She's right. like, really? I'm like, he's the sweetest, purest, most amazing thing. And she's like, oh, okay, just checking. <laughs> just love it. it. Just he, I, yeah. I mean, again, on this podcast, we love and protect. Gallo, like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. We need to make that shirt. We keep saying that we need to make it. I know. We need to make some new shirts. We really do. I know. And I mean, it's not like I can say I don't have time now. Yeah. I don't know. But <laughs> you know the other Gallo moment I liked, which I don't think we touch on in here, but when Gallo gets back from the call and Ritter's like, so how'd it go? And Gallo's like, I made a connection with a kid. And Ritter's like, tell me. I love their gossip set so much i just love them so much it's just all of it it's just perfection like perfection it's just great they're actually the best yeah so after the forklift call casey and gallo stop by dcfs and they talk to the caseworker and casey finally talks to her about louie and convinces her to reunite mother and son because she's like he's like listen like i see through your bullshit i know the power that you guys hold all it takes is one person to make that application or that whatever motion that is just like magically disappear. And Casey goes to the hospital at the end of the episode and Jenny and Noah reunite. Just yep. so perfect. Just another day in Casey and Galloland. Yeah. It's just so perfect. Just perfect. So Allison F also sent us a message and she said, she's like, I would watch Casey and Casey Jr. scenes all day. And she goes, the bond between those two is just amazing. And it was a missing part of fire. I never realized we needed much like Ritter with Mouch and Herman. Yes. Yes. It really is though. Yes. Like fire was good before that, but like it really has added just like a dynamic. Like she said, like we didn't know we needed. Absolutely. And Casey's such a good mentor. It's not that I ever thought he wouldn't be, but like to see it on him, it's a good look. 
Well, and it was, like, one thing, too, when with Mills, because, like, he was Mills' mentor, but Mills was trying so hard to move up and, like, wanted to move to squad and this mm-hmm. and that, so it was just such a different dynamic. Like, yeah. The, the Casey Mills and Severide dynamic was kind of like that meme where like the guys, the guy with his girl is like they're walking by and then like the other girl's walking and he's got his head turned like if Mills is the guy like Mills is staring at the other girl and that's Severide and Casey's like holding his hand like hello. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, Casey definitely tried to take Mills under his wing. but Mills wanted squad so badly and he definitely had a man crush on Severide, which I can't blame you. Right. Yeah. So it was just so different than. Gallo, which Gallo is like not going anywhere. No, no. Gallo's on truck for life. Truck for life. Truck for life. Oh my goodness, yes. Um, since I nerded out about Supernatural, I'm kind of sick of my own voice. So please take us through Kid. <laughs> yeah. So the, the episode opens up with Kid like hesitate, like she's in like a convenience store and she like hesitates to buy the candy bar. Um, which I mean, it's not really anything important, but I do love that scene a little bit more now, especially now that we know Derek said that like it was meant to mimic like an old episode of PD with Lindsay. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that's like really cool. I just I love that opening now. Yeah, which I didn't remember the PD opening at first, but now that I think about it, I'm like, I think I vaguely recall. What I just I that wanted is. to try to find it like and like watch it again, but I don't remember like what specifically like what specific episode it is. Yeah. Um, so listeners, if you know. Let us know, because we would love to watch it again. Yes, please. Um, but basically, on her way out, she sees, like, two girls selling drugs, and so that gets, like, her brain going. She tries to stop them, uh, but they're like, we don't have to listen to you, and, like, they leave. So, back at the firehouse, she's venting to Kelly about how she always says she wants to get more involved in the community, but clearly hasn't done anything yet, so, like, she, you know, can't really say anything, because she's also part of the problem. And, of course, Severide is just watching along, just being like, that's my girl, with that big old smile on his face. Just. Yeah. The best. But really, though. So, Gallo and Ritter are bantering in the common room about their academy classes, and Stella starts asking them, like, what percentage of their class was women. And so then Violet shows up, and she mentions that she had three women in her entire class, and that sparks an idea for Stella. So Stella goes running to see Bowden and tells him about this idea that she has for a program to that would ultimately recruit young women from Chicago public schools to be junior firefighters. And she wants to call it Girls on Fire. And I love it. Perfect. Like, love it. Everything about it. Yes. Yeah. And Bowden also loves it, too. And he's like, call CFD's community relations guy. Like, tell him you have my full support. Like, we'll get it set up. So the community relations guy shows up to 51 and he's like, yeah, I love the idea too. Like, but you're going to need a co like a female officer to co-sponsor it. And Stella's like, oh. Yeah, which still seems a little odd to me. I'm like, really? Really? But okay. What? That you need a female officer to co-sponsor it? The fact that Owen was like, yeah, like you need to find a female officer. It's just going to look better if it's female-led, which I get the point. But I mean, he also just inadvertently made the search so much harder for her because there's approximately like this many. I'm making a super, super tiny like gesture. Yeah. Um, Female officers in the CPD. Yeah, that's true. You mean CFD? Yes. Did I say CPD? Yeah, <laughs> you did. Oops. My bad. It's fine. <laughs> um, basically, she ends up trying to run it by a few people, including, like, another battalion chief who's a woman, um, and also Officer Leone, who basically just ends up using Stella to get free breakfast. <laughs> uh, it's kind of funny. But 
then Severide later on mentions that he she should ask Seeger, and he she's like, oh, I should ask Seeger. You mean the woman who was throwing vibes at you in front of me? And Severide's just like, I'll give you her number. Like, don't worry about it. Like, it's fine. Um, I mean, Seeger was still making eyes at him for sure. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, but like Severide doesn't care. And that's what I, like, you know, like, he's like, yeah, you really have nothing to worry about. Like, I don't care. Like, I only care about you. So, like, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's sweet. Uh, which I love. And so Seeger comes to 51, and Stella ultimately ends up asking her, and Seeger agrees. So that's where we're at with this. But I do love the idea of Girls on Fire. And as soon as she said that name, I was like, this girl is on fire! Yeah. I mean, I just, that song, I Katniss Everdeen, like all the Girl on Fire references I can think of, definitely come to mind. I'm excited to see Stella and Seeger work together. Me too. I I wasn't necessarily like when you hear Seeger's coming back, I'm just like, oh, really? Mm-hmm. Like I roll, I roll. But like, yeah, in a different capacity when she's not hitting on Severide all the time, love it. And working with Stella is going to be cool. Like, I, it's I'm glad that it's two younger female firefighters heading this up. Because yeah. I feel like if it, if she got Leone or she got somebody else, like the battalion chief, like Stella would be doing the bulk of the work. Well, and also two young female women of color firefighters, too. Yes. 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 Yeah. Have you seen the preview for the new Amazon show that Andy Allo is going to be part of? I um, have, have. Upload. Yes, with Robbie Amell. It looks so funny. It It, it looks really funny. I'm really excited about it. It looks like it's going to be very similar to The Good Place, but I'm not complaining. Well, yeah, it was done by the guy who helped create, like, The Office and, like, Parks and Rec and, like, a bunch of those shows. Oh, cool. Or helped, like, produce them. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. That was so. pretty good. And, I mean, I saw the preview and I was just like, Seeger, I know her. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, oh, she's the main girl. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, that looks good. Uh, but I'm excited to see them work together. Yeah, me too. So. We've also uh, got Brett. Do you want to take Brett or do you want me to? I got it. Okay. So basically Julie stops by 51 and asks Brett for her help with neighborhoods. And Brett, of course, agrees because she loves house hunting. And like Julie <laughs> made a comment, though. She like Brett says, she's like, yeah, like I love house hunting or house hunter. Like I'm 51's house hunter, something along those lines. And Julie's like, hey, I think that's a show. Like, do you watch it? And Brett's like, of course I do. It's my favorite show. And I was like, do you really think, Julie, like, House Hunters is some brand new thing? Like, it's not been on for, like, 10 years now or however long. Like, (laughs) just the way she said it, I was like, what are we living in, like, 2010? Like, That that moment was a little corny. I'm not going to lie. It felt a little bit forced, but also I love House Hunters, so I'm nobody to judge. Well, even to the moment where, because then Brett was like, yeah, like, I used to do it from, like, with my ex-fiance or whatever. And Julie was like, what? Ex-fiance? We have so much to catch up on. But mm-hmm. I was like, okay. That was, like, a little, uh, I didn't need that necessarily. A little, a little much. But little much. also, like, House Hunters is not a show you binge from start to finish. That's a show that you put on for background noise. Right. Yeah. It's good, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, just, like, Casey Lil looks on at this whole thing and like has a smile on his face just like love it yeah these two oh my god yeah so 61 gets called to a scene for a medical exist and it's like (laughs) this guy who's like fully naked and like dancing around in the lobby of a real estate building and like they think ambo 61 thinks it's a police matter but the police are like no he's you know this he doesn't have a gun he's not dangerous like this is definitely for you guys and foster like so much as tells that 
it's a police matter to the officer's body cam. And she's like, she's like, I'm Emily Foster. I'm from Ambulance 61. Like, no, we're not dealing with this. How about you? She was like, your officer is an a-hole. <laughs> Emily. Yeah. Love it. And so they basically also in run, end up running into like a cute real estate agent who like helps them um, with the off deal with the officer and you know what a blah blah blah. Um, and like he can now get back into his building now that naked guy is gone. <laughs> um, and so Brett gets this idea though when he says that like, she asks him if they just do commercial or if they also do like residential and he's like well we do both. And so Brett gets this idea of course to like use him to like help Julie and so they meet with him and you know they get like a date set up to go house hunting you know etc etc um and this guy whose name I forget uh Nicholas Nicholas. yeah um ends up asking Brett out and Julie's like well you should have said you should say yes like he's really cute and he's very into you um but Brett's like no I'm not really interested and Julie's like well is it because you're hung up on Casey and Brett's like no like of course not like you know, he was married to my best friend. <laughs> like, of course not. But, like, you can tell also that, of course, she's not really believing what she says. Okay, so this was interesting to me because I, I feel like I don't know why it took me this long to, like, hear Brett phrase it that way for my brain to go, okay, I guess I can see where she's coming from when she's like, he was married to my best friend. Like, imagine if your best friend just up and left town and left her husband there and then like you two started vibing like wouldn't that feel really weird it would feel really weird but I feel like it's not something you can't get past like I understand why you're hesitant to pursue something because of that Mm -hmm. and I've never not understood that part but like I also don't feel like especially given the circumstances of like Dawson just up and leaving it wasn't like they kind of because you know like Casey would have fought and they would have stayed married if Dawson had been here mm-hmm. so like it wasn't an amicable in in, in the, 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 the <laughs> amicable amicable divorce necessarily mm-hmm. um and so i feel like the situation's just different so but like regardless i still feel like i understand why brett is hesitant mm-hmm. i just feel like it's not something they can't get past eventually yeah i mean i'm still 100 percent on board with these two yeah mm-hmm. So basically, Brett's got all this on her mind, and as she's leaving shift, Brett gets a call from Nicholas. And at the same time, she sees Casey leaving and getting in his truck. And so she ultimately says no to Nicholas, and she's like, I've got some things I need to sort out. So clearly, she is thinking about Casey, and I think that's the first time you really are like, oh, like we're actually going somewhere here. Like we're actually going to, I think get romantic here at some point. All she keeps doing though, is looking at him from afar, which to me, I'm like, okay, so this begs the question, who is going to make the first move? I don't know, but I feel like that, that was an important first step. And Brett seeing Casey turning down Nicholas and being like, I've got to work this out. I think Casey might be the one to make the first move just based off of things, how things have been unfolding. Well, and I feel like, too, I don't want to get my hopes up because of, obviously, the way the season ended with, like, us not getting 21, 22, and 23. Mm-hmm. But, like, Derek also, from his comment in our interview, when you asked him about it, he was like, well, no comment, basically. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that means something's going to happen before then. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, but I also don't want to get my hopes up. Yeah. 
So I, I don't know. It's this is it's getting to the point now of being like a frustratingly slow burn. Yeah, and so like Allison F in her email to us too was like slow burn, but I'm here for every non spoken bit of body language they throw towards one another. We have three more seasons, so I'm in no rush as I feel confident it will come at this point. I really hope that, you know, the abrupt end to the season does not screw with the intended plan for Casey and Brett. I know. Me too. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. So lastly, we've got Herman. And this, it was actually a pretty funny B story. I thought this was going to be kind of annoying, but it was actually pretty funny. So okay. the morning meeting, Herman's like, listen, Casey and Severide have quarters. I don't. Can we please fix this? Can I take the blue room? And Bowden's like, no, no, which I, I, I shouldn't say I feel bad for Herman, but I also do kind of feel bad for him. Because remember how when Casey became captain, Bowden was like, why don't you take the blue room? And yet with Herman, he's like, no. Right. Don't play yeah. favorites. But I think, too, at this point, like, they've also tried to use the blue room for so many other things that Bowden's like, no, we're not changing it into anything else. Like, <laughs> it's going to stay storage. So funny. The, yeah, the blue room's like their room of requirement. That's a Harry Potter reference. But it's so yeah, I don't, Yeah, I don't know what that means. <laughs> so Herman takes matters into his own hands. He's like, fine, fuck this. There is an alcove between Casey's quarters and Severide's quarters. And Herman just decides to make it into his own office. So he strings up a shower curtain and, like, you know, shoves a bed in there and a desk. It's super tiny. And he decides to make it his own quarters. Um, the part that killed me was when he had Ritter come in and was like, we can talk anytime. And Ritter was like, there's an echo here. And Herman's like, what are you talking about? And you hear Casey from off screen be like, that's right. I can hear you. Was it Casey or Cruz? Um, I don't know. It was one of them. Yeah. Well, oh, so one of the C's. Yeah. Oh, it was so perfect, though. That killed me. But Herman plugs, he brings in a halogen lamp and puts it right next to the curtain. So, of course, he comes back from a call and the lamp caught the curtain on fire. And yeah, Bowden's just like, really? Really? Yeah. Just pretty funny. And (laughs) Chief Chick is there and he's like, report to the fire academy for remedial training ASAP. (laughs) Uh Yeah, that was funny. Oh, that was good. So... Any other notes on fire? No, but I'm excited to see where we go. Well, we've got one more episode and then we get the big cruise and Chloe wedding. And I'm yes! just like, give it to me. Give it to me. So it would actually make sense if there's a big gap between episodes after 18 airs. Because then I think there's going to be. Yeah. With 19 being the wedding. Oh, I'm so ready. Give it to me. Give it to me. Yes. So ready. Even if we didn't get invited to the wedding, I'm not better. <laughs> Clearly. Totally better. I wanted to go. <laughs> um, I'm actually more jealous that we didn't get invited to Maggie's wedding because a bowling reception is just like the best I idea. Know. Yeah. Yeah. So moving on to PD. Okay. So this episode of PD, I got to stretch out because like I'm old and my back hurts. Um, okay. Wait, my body hurts. Anyway. So <laughs> Voight shows up to a gang shooting. And this is, like, the very first scene. Voight rolls up to a gang shooting. There's one guy dead and then a 10-year-old girl who's been hit. And so that goes down. You know, it's a gang shooting. It's not good. Well, enter Paul Staples from Homicide. This guy. Oh, my goodness, this guy. Yeah. 
Um, I think it was Luna. I also made this connection. I don't. It's definitely not the same guy. But did he not look so much like that guy that Antonio went like when Antonio went undercover that one time? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the guy who he was a police officer, but actually was like playing dirty while he was undercover. Oh my god! From like way way back in the day. Yeah, when I want to say it was like season three, oh, two, god. three. I remember the episode, but I I can't place the guy's face. I'll see if I can find it. But he looks it's not the same guy because they look they definitely look different, but they look so similar. I like had to do a double take for a second. This guy, I just the things he was saying to Hank and like the way he was acting, I was just like cringing. Just cringing. So first off, he steps to Voight and tries to pull rank, which like, are you are you nuts? Are you nuts? Mm-hmm. Um, and, but Hank is like, no, we're taking the case just because, like, I was first to respond. Like, the ten-year-old girl like died in my arms. Like, we're I'm taking the case. But right. as he goes to walk away, like Paul grabs his arm. I'm like, do you have a death wish? But actually, I just I I I would never like even if Voight was doing like something wrong, I would never confront him. He terrifies me. Like I would never. Yeah, me either. Death wish. Death wish. So they get video of the shooting and it reveals Lamar Garrison and Lamar's just chilling. But they they talk to Lamar. He knows nothing because, of course, he knows nothing. He was just standing at the shooting, like chilling while chaos was happening. But okay. Uh And so as Hank is leaving, he sees a familiar face. There's basically a guy driving a bus and the bus is on the side of the bus. It says it's for the Church of Triumphant Good. And he, he recognizes the guy driving the bus, basically. And so... Turns out this guy is Frank Rochester. Hank busted him like decades ago and essentially saved the guy's life because he went to prison. He got his life together and now he runs a small church in the neighborhood. And so Frank knows Lamar like really well. And Frank's like, no, Lamar would never do this. And so Hank convinces him to talk to Lamar. And at first he's like, I'll make a thousand dollar donation to this church. A thousand dollars, Hank? You got that big stash in the basement. I know you held on to some of it. You didn't put all of it in the trust for your grandson. Come on now. Yeah. Also, i sorry to interrupt. Apparently, it is the same guy. Oh, shit. Good connection. Good eye. Well, I, I didn't think it was, but apparently, because, like, even I'm looking at his IMD picture now, I'm like, yeah, that's definitely not the same guy. Um, according to IMDb, it definitely is the same guy. Is he a local Chicago actor? Um, I don't know. Um, I'd have to, like, find some more about him. But, yeah, it was in a 2015 episode, What Puts You on That Ledge. So that was season two, episode 16. And then, yeah, he was in this episode, too. Oh, I got to go back and watch that now. Because I, I remember, like, I remember the episode. I just don't remember the specifics. Um, basically, Antonio goes, I will tell you the specifics. Antonio heads undercover with a dangerous robbery crew after a narcotics officer goes missing. Commander Fisher updates Voight on a missing officer that narcotics had deep undercover with a robbery crew, and Antonio connected with one of the crew members years ago, so he's asked to reestablish that contact to help them find the officer. The only memory that might come to mind is that I think that's the one that ends at the dinosaur museum, but I could be wrong. That's the I don't one. Know. I was going to say, also, the B storyline in that episode is when Roman and Burgess are dealing with the squatter situation, and they use Mouch to help them out. <laughs> Those were the days. Oh, crazy. <laughs> Throwback. Yes, but so fun fact, it is the same guy. Nice. I did not realize, I didn't think it actually was, but fun fact, it is. Good eye, Bryna and Luna. Good eye. 
because yeah. I would have never made that connection. Nicely done. I could not make that connection, but yes. It's, anyway, sorry. It's like one, one Chicago Where's Waldo. Um, so good. So Lamar basically gives up Jojo McGinnis, but it turns out Jojo's got an alibi. So that's just like a dead end right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And so they finally get a plate on the getaway car that was used in the shooting, and it belongs to a Tyler Alter. So Tyler and Lamar were like besties in prison. And it's about this time, midway through the episode, that Hank gets the call from the Ivory Tower somewhere. It's some higher up, but they're just like, yeah, you got to work with Homicide on this. Like, you got to work with Staples. And everybody hates this guy. And it's actually, it's it's pretty funny, but also like, bless Voight for trying, because he tries so hard to make this guy part of the team. Yeah. He tries, but like, He does really does. Do- he gives it a really good shot when like, he's Hank and he really could just be like, fuck you. Right. I don't know. So, um, everybody's faces when they find out about it is great. And then when Platt comes upstairs with him and Platt is like, he elected to come upstairs. Like, I don't know. Um, that was funny. But yeah. yeah. So, um, Staples shares this intel that he, this is the only time Staples makes like himself useful, but his intel indicates that Lamar was trying to take business in a different direction. And so it makes it pretty clear that he hired Alter to kill Brooks. Brooks was the guy who died at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So, Brian, will you take it from here? Yeah. So basically, Upset finally finds a location for Alter, only, of course, to find him dead because that's how things go. Mm-hmm. Um, and they first encounter a tweaker with a knife, um, but Staples looks at Voight like he has three heads when Hank's like, there's no need to arrest him. And Staples is just like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Need to? Right. Need to? No need to? Um, but so Hank convinces Frank to set up a deal with Lamar. And this is the scene where we get Atwater in that, what I'm sure is going to be like iconic purple coat. Oh my God, that purple coat. Oh my God. The CPD wardrobe department for this episode and that purple coat, like all the awards I like bowed down to because. They were A plus in multiple spots in this episode. Can we please talk about the color plaid that Ruzik was wearing this episode? It was like this like grayish bluish. That was fantastic. <laughs> I love how you're just on plaid watch all the time. I'm always on plaid watch. Yeah. Um, I'm also always on Henley watch for Jay. He was wearing a black Henley this episode. It was perfect. But the purple coat, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And there was was also a moment where Rojas was wearing a purple coat. Like, listen, I I know it means absolutely nothing when they match, but I love it so much. Like, I stand a color-coordinated squad. Yeah. And so, basically, Lamar just misses frank and frank is pissed and meanwhile though in the surveillance van staples is getting impatient like he apparently lost the ci in this neighborhood years ago so any chance he gets to work the area he takes but like literally i don't care how great was it though when he was explaining this and burgess just goes oh <laughs> it's like oh i'm so sorry for you not even and i'm so sorry she just goes oh yeah but like i don't care mm-hmm. but staples does and he's just like fuck it and decides to go in and basically, like, tears down the whole operation. And it's just, like, staples. I can't. I just, oh, He's the worst. Yeah. And so Lamar ends up finally beating Frank. And then and Kevin ends up kicking Lamar basically all the way into Indiana. Like, <laughs> I just, it turns into a shit show. It really does. It really does. But also, like, I mean, Kev looked so good. Just, I can't get over it. Yeah. And so they get back to the bullpen and Staples and Hank are arguing. 
And Staples is like, we did it by the book. And Hank's like, not by my book. And Staples finally yells, like, I don't work for you. And then Hank literally just decks him. It's so which good. Which is iconic, because mm-hmm. we've never seen that before. Mm-hmm. And everyone else just kind of, like, walks away and, like, doesn't help him up. Like, it, it's just so good. It's so good. I love, um, I think one of our listeners, I think it was Riley, he posted a gif of um, the moment that he punches him. And he pointed out Jay's face, because Jay's face was just, like, perfect. Like, Voight punches him, and Jay's face just kind of purses together, like, ooh, that's unfortunate. It's just everybody's reactions were just like quality yeah um and yeah that's basically the end of the episode this was 100 percent case but if you if you paid really close attention it was actually a pretty good one no it was a good episode i just it makes it hard to really like these episodes when like i will probably never go back and rewatch this one same i just won't yeah, the, the the only iconic thing we got out of this was the purple coat. Right, and that will be remembered for all eternity. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I don't care. Like, I have the pictures of Kevin in the purple coat. I don't need to go back and watch it for the purple coat. <laughs> Kevin Atwater and the amazing Technicolor dream coat. <laughs> but actually, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. When I saw those promo pictures, I was like, ooh, he's channeling his inner prince. I'm so here for it. I love it so much. It just, but yeah, like, otherwise, like, I don't. No, so I don't like this episode was fine. I will literally never go back and rewatch it. Cool. Yeah, same. Solid episode, but yeah, just solid. Yeah. That's about it. So any other notes on PD? No, I think that's about it. Oh, oh, we also had the moment where uh, uh, Upton pulled up and she looked at Rosewater and was like, stay warm, kittens. Uh, yes. Funny. How did we not talk about that? I have so many questions. I wonder if that's scripted or not. Yeah, I, that is a good question. I feel like it has to be scripted enough for them to like shoot that like you know like have a camera in that van and like mm-hmm. shoot it mm-hmm. but like where the fuck did that come from <laughs> did she just call us kittens <laughs> like, like was that like an inside joke and they were actually giving us like that kind of content i don't know but like i have so many questions yeah but now we have another like adjective to describe ruse water like ruse water bffs kittens kittens <laughs> actual kittens <laughs> That was funny. Yeah. There's also the moment when Rojas undoes the lock and Ruzik goes, we will discuss how easy that was for you later. <laughs> that was pretty yeah. funny. But those were the only, like, moments like that that we got. It was just complete case. Yeah. Yeah. So, stay warm, kittens. That was funny. So, well, yeah, that is about it for today's episode. Um, as always, y'all know where to find us. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr. Meet us at Molly's right across the board. Email us anytime about anything. Meet us at Molly's at gmail.com, especially in this crazy ass time that we're in right now. Please do get in touch anytime we're around. Um, and as you heard at the beginning of the episode, we watch a ton of other stuff. So, like, <laughs> yes. We, we plan do. to talk about all of it at some point. All of it all of it and so we're around you know we're, we're doing and feeling the same things that you are right now um so yeah definitely get in touch don't be shy and yeah if you like the show which we really hope you do please 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 if you would not mind take a moment to leave a rating and review on itunes we would so greatly appreciate that next time you hear from us will be on friday normal schedule if anything changes we will let you know oh you what? will not hear from me though correct because i will not hear 
Bryna will not be here. That is correct. Um, you will hear from me and a guest, which I'm going to confirm with said guest um, before I say who's coming on with me. But yes, you will not hear Bryna. So everybody have a good week. Stay strong. Wash your hands. Check on others. Stay home if you can. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we will see you guys on Friday. So bye.